There are so many careers to choose from within so many industries, but not many of them help to generate an enormous amount of money to make you have much disposable income, especially after you begin accumulating items like cars, a house, children, and bills. Now, of course, you can be responsible with your money and live within or below your means, pay off debts quickly, invest in the stock market, and save 20% of your salary. But did you know there are some other ways you can build wealth? My name is Ronika Jacobs, and you found my podcast, Drive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. It's time to earn money differently. My next guest, Chris Miles, is helping people strive for more by teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author and the podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, which has been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, and EO Fire. Chris has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, of getting his clients fast, life-altering financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $200 million in the last 10 years. In this episode, he will share tips on investing and how to increase your wealth. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? I'm great. It's such an honor to be here. So, Chris, how did you become an anti-financial advisor? What's that about? <laughs> well, it, that was not in my intended path. I mean, in fact, my intended path when I was going to college was to, I was majoring in sociology with a plan to get my MBA and become a business consultant, right? And mm-hmm. when I got to the point where I was about to finish up with my bachelor's and I was looking at my master's, you know, future and that kind of thing, I thought, I don't want to just have theory and book smarts. I want real life experience. If I'm going to consult people on their business, shouldn't I have a business, you know, or shouldn't I have some sort of experience in that world? So I actually dropped out of college and became an entrepreneur. I thought, you know, I'll just drop out for a year and head back later. Well, I ended up like being an entrepreneur. The first career I got, the first business that came my way that seemed kind of interesting was becoming a financial advisor. So the mainstream traditional type of advisor that you hear about, right? Well, I ended up liking doing that. I, I didn't know anything about money really when I started. I had to really be trained into that industry. And after I was there for four years, which for a financial advisor is like being a grandfather almost because most don't make it past one or two. But after being in it for four years, this is in the early 2000s, I started to realize that there was issues with what I was teaching. When I started to see real numbers, right, like they, they always tell you the average of the market's 10 or 12% a year, right, since 2000 BC. I would go and 
and tell people, yes, 10 or 12%, and if you put your money in this much for this many years, you should have a million dollars or whatever, right? Well, right. as I started to look at the reality and what the market really was averaging and what people were actually getting, it was closer to like 6 or 7%. And I thought, oh, this is bad. And this is even people that like go and invest in the S&P 500, right, in those in index funds. And I was like, dang, this is not good because that ruins my numbers. Now it doesn't look as impressive anymore. And then if you put in inflation being higher than what the government says because the government doesn't want inflation numbers to be high, so they have to pay more in Social Security. And so you start to put in real inflation numbers, and you're like, wait, you can't ever retire putting your money in these oh. typical – mutual funds and retirement plans like 401ks and IRAs, the things I was selling people. And so after four years of doing that, and then, of course, I came across people that were doing – that actually had become wealthy. And they were all either, one, business owners, or two, they were real estate investors, or sometimes both. And, uh, and so in 2006, I said, you know what? I can't teach this stuff anymore and stay in integrity. Like, I'm just a salesman in a suit. And so I left. I vowed never to teach about money again. I said, I'll just go and basically do, be a mortgage broker you know, do mortgages, and I'll teach ballroom dancing at the local university. And uh, oh. just kind of interesting side note, I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers in the country at that time. So, oh, awesome. um, so I thought, I'll just do that, you know. And, and so I was doing that, but then I had to know what those guys knew. I was like, I got to learn how these guys did it different because the, the rules that they played by was the exact opposite of what financial advisors teach. In fact, they would laugh and, and scoff at financial advisors. So I was like, I got to know what they, they know. And so I started to learn from like one in particular, one guy became kind of took me under his wing. And what ended up happening is later that year in 2006, I was able to retire myself when I was just 28 years old by doing the opposite, uh, by not following the advice that financial advisors give, you know, so that, that blew my mind. And that's why in 2007, I came out of retirement and started teaching more like this anti-financial advice, right? Like more things that actually create cash flow, not just save and store money like some sort of squirrel that's desperate for winter. I'm interested to find out because you said, wow, at, at 28 years old, you retired. And most people, that's what they're looking forward to, especially as they get up in age and they're 50 to 60 years old. I mean, sometimes at, these, at this point, people are still working at 70 and they look to retire mm -hmm. one time. But you say you retired twice. How in the world did you do that? Not in a good way. <laughs> so yeah, I should have just done it once. But, uh, you know, so here's what happened. So 2006, so to tell you the first time, right, um, it was actually when I was talking to that person, that mentor that took me under his wing, you know, he was asking me, he's like, Chris, if money were no issue in your life, what would you spend your time doing? Which I think is an amazing question for anybody to ask. It's really saying, who do you really want to be when you grow up, right? And, he, you know, he asked me, he's like, you're doing mortgages right now. Do you, do you like doing mortgages? And I said, well, I like getting people the results. I like teaching them about it because I'm a teacher at heart. But, you know, I really don't like dealing with paperwork. I, I, I do not, I'm not a big fan of the paperwork and all the underwriting and people calling me at all hours of the day wondering if they're going to close on their mortgage tomorrow when we just put in the application today and I said it would be four, three to four weeks, right? But they called the next day, will it close, you know? So I was like, I really don't like that stuff. I like teaching, though. He said, well, why don't you do that part and then, hire, you know, hire out or – you know, partner up with somebody who will do the stuff you don't like. And that to me was like this revolutionary idea because in a world of scarcity, right, when you're in a scarcity mindset, you don't ever think about that. When you're in a survival mode, you think, how can I make money any way possible? How can I, you know, do it myself? And, 
when he says partner up with somebody, that means I'm splitting my money. You know, it's like, yeah, just partner with somebody 50, 50. I'm like, well, that means I get paid 50% less. But when I started to see that you could look at world from a world of abundance, then I thought, well, okay, is that possible? And I said, but are other people out there that like paperwork? He said, Chris, there's definitely people out there that like paperwork. And so I found somebody, a mortgage broker that would do that. And, you know, I'd spend a half an hour to an hour with the client and uh, sent them on to that guy. I said, hey, you don't have to do any selling. They're already sold, so to speak. All you have to do is just do the paperwork. Just do the underwriting and follow through and make sure it gets done. And he did it. And, uh, and the next thing I know, a month or a month and a half later, I'm getting a check for like 1000 or 1500 bucks. And I thought, well, dang, that was an easy use of a half an hour to an hour. Can I do that elsewhere? So I started like doing that with like different things. Like I had a, you know, I was about to get rid of an insurance license as being, after being a financial advisor. But uh, I said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't. And so I started referring business to a life insurance guy. I said, hey, you do the life insurance instead because you get this stuff better than I do. You can do an awesome job. So I would send them to him, and then I'd get a cut of that. And then I was like, well, hey, there's a wholesale jeweler I know is awesome. When people are trying to buy an engagement ring, they'll buy it for a third of the price of these guys. You know, so I'd connect them with that business, and they would pay me 5%, you know, a little kickback you know, for people buying wedding rings or engagement rings. And, and I had like these four or five different businesses I would send referrals to, just very organic. I, I didn't advertise or anything. Just people would say, hey, Chris, do you know somebody who does blank? And I'd say, yeah, go talk to so-and-so. So I was basically just hooking people up. And you know, now in the, today's world, they'd call it affiliate marketing, right? But it really right. wasn't affiliate marketing. It was very organic friends and family. That's all it was. And I was making four to five grand a month, working maybe three to four hours a week doing that kind of thing. And it, and it blew wow. my mind because all I needed at that time was 3500 a month to live on. I only had two young kids. You know, it was just a small family of four at the time. And I was like, dang, I technically could retire like this. You know, working three or four hours a week, that's it. And that blew my mind because in my mind before, as a financial advisor, I thought you had to save up $2 million so then I can live on 3% of it because as financial advisors, you tell them don't live on more than like 2 or 3%. If I live on 3% of $2 million, that's 60000 a year, which at that time, 5000 a month seemed amazing, right? So I would right. tell them to do that. Um, but So that was my goal. I was like, hey, by the time I'm 40, if I can save up $2 million, working my tail off and being dirt cheap, then – I can be retired and wealthy. And the next thing I know, I'm 28, and I figured that out with, with just residual income streams, as I call it. The reason it was twice because I went through the whole recession. Um, I started buying real estate and stuff, but I wasn't doing the good kind of real estate. I was doing speculative ventures, right? I was, t- I was gambling with the money I was making. And uh, I went from millionaire to upside-down millionaire within you know, a year or two. You know? So I went from being able to be out of the rat race, and then all of a sudden I was back in it. And so – I had to dig myself out of that hole. I didn't file for bankruptcy, but I did dig back out. Uh, But this time, I said, hey, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to make sure I have multiple streams of income, not just a few. And uh, and I'm going to have investments that are safe, you know, that actually pay me good, solid, you know, just predictable income. And so between my investments and my businesses and things like that, did it once again, but this time around, because now I have uh, you know, I remarried. I've been, you know, divorced twice. Now on my third marriage, um, I've got eight kids um, with this blended family. So now I had to hit, the, I had a higher number than thirty-five hundred a month. I had to hit about fifteen grand a month. But I was able to do that once again at the end of two thousand sixteen. And you know, now I just part time, you know, consult and work with people and do my podcast and and just do whatever the heck I feel like. You know, just and that's the whole reason I became an entrepreneur was because I want to control my time and my 
my ability to create money and not have somebody else tell me what I can and can't do. And that's how I strive for more. Right. Awesome. What myths do people need to question that are preventing them from striving for more in their finances? Yeah, the myths, the big ones that are out there is that you have to save everything, spend nothing, pay off all your debt like good boys and good little girls, right? And then someday, you know, especially if you invest in 401Ks like with your company, your job, or whatever, someday you'll be able to retire. And that is 100%. All that stuff is bull. <laughs> it's a complete myth. Because the truth is, and I see this, like I get people all the time, especially in their, their, some are in their 50s, some even in their 60s or so, that will call up and say, Chris, like I've been doing everything. I, I got debt free, and I put all this money, I paid all the way up to my match and even maxed out my 401k, and I still can't retire. And I've been doing this for 30-plus years, and, and they told me I'd be able to retire, and I can't. I really don't have the ability to retire. I had a guy just today. He was from Brooklyn, right? And and uh, he reached out and he said, he's like, Chris, like, uh, you know, I just got furloughed with the whole COVID situation. He's like, especially here in New York, we're shut down, you know, and he's like, what do I do? And I looked at the situation, saw that, you know, that he had, you know, he, he, he still had a mortgage, right? But he had equity in his home and he had, you know, a little 401k that he had a few hundred thousand in and he had some money with a, a financial advisor that wasn't really doing much. He had another few hundred thousand there. And I said, well, what do you need per month? He says, well, I need at least. 5000 a month. If I can have that, honestly, I'd be fine. And, uh, and I said, well, guess what? I'm like, depending on what you're willing to do here, uh, you can create 5000 a month this year. You know, now, if he, if he tried to do the traditional financial model, right, 5000 a month or 60000 a year, just like I said, you'd have to save $2 million. He only had about – I mean, and I say only. I mean, that's not a small amount of money, but he had $500,000. He's a $1.5 million short, and he's in his 50s, right, to, short to be able to create 5000 a month from the stock market, from mutual funds. And even that's debatable if he can even live on that. Um, but I told him, it's like, no, if you're investing in the right places, in places that actually are probably less risky than the stock market, you could actually do it this year. And he's like, that's exactly the hope I was hoping for. But you have to see money differently. You can't think like, you know, keep plugging away money into that 401k, it was going to work because it hadn't worked for him for decades. It will continue not to work. And I see that over and over and over again. But people still, because the masses believe it's true, because it seems like everybody says it's true, it's got to be, right? And, and that's just not the case because the majority of people aren't financially free. The majority of people are hoping they die before they run out of money. You know, They hope that their money lasts long enough because they don't have enough. All right, so what kind of strategies do you recommend instead of investing in 401Ks? I mean, I know people should maximize their 401K and use it, but that shouldn't be the only thing that they rely on when it comes to investing in their money for their future. So I know you mentioned a couple of strategies, but can you mention them again so that people can really hear you? Absolutely, yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but I look outside of the traditional place where any financial advisor sells you something. So, Because uh, that's what I found out. As a financial advisor, there was no, no product, no strategy that would get you to retirement, that would get you to a place where you could be free, definitely not by the time you're in your 60s, and definitely not by the time you're in your 40s or 50s, right? It's just impossible to use those strategies. Um, and so I look at things that are more what they refer to as like alternative investments, right? Um, things like real estate, you know, buying just very steady cash-flowing real estate. Um, not the speculative stuff like I was trying to do before the last recession, right, where 
I was banking on appreciation and trying to flip houses. Not like that. I'm talking about just buying good, solid rental homes that could actually pay you each and every month. There's even different types of investments. Sometimes it's real estate related, sometimes not, where you could put it into a, a different kind of fund. You know, and then there's funds out there that pay like 10% or more sometimes, you know, at least 6 to 10% steady income that they just pay you. Um, and, that's, and that's what's critical, right? Because remember, the reason that financial advisors tell you not to live on more than 3% of your mutual funds, your 401ks and things like that is because they don't want you to run out of money. Because with you know, inflation, lifestyle is getting more expensive all the time. Even if you try to keep a simple lifestyle, just because food will cost more and gas prices will generally increase over time you know, and things like that, you just have to spend more money usually. And so they'll say, hey, if we don't want to run out of money, and especially when they won't usually have investments, they'll pay much more than 3 or 4%, they'll tell you, hey, you, know, you should probably not live on more than 2 or 3% a year. But with these kind, of, these kind of investments, right, they're saying, hey, even on the low end, hey, we'll pay you 6% a year. We'll pay it out monthly or even quarterly to you, and you just get these steady paychecks for investing your money. And they, and they use your money to go and invest in other things, you know, whether they're you know, buying you know, properties, whether they're lending money for construction or they're lending money for buying an apartment building or whatever, and you, you become a part owner in an apartment complex. Or, you know, but you don't have to deal with the headaches, the, the toilets, tenants, and trash, right? You don't deal with that stuff. You just get paid on that money. So it's more passive income. Uh, even, even when I have people, then when we look at the options of looking at buying rental real estate, you're not the one actually managing the property. I buy what's called turnkey real estate, which means you buy it in your name, right? You have the financing. You know, if you decide to get a mortgage on it, you can do that and get some great leverage. But you don't actually you're, – you're not the property manager. Somebody else deals with all those issues. They find the renters for you. You just have to buy the property and then collect the checks after it's done. You know, and that's – that to me is, is fun, right? And that's where there's lots of ability to create that. So let me give you an example of, of some people that have done that, right? So uh, I had one guy, he was he's in his early 30s. He was the poster child for Dave Ramsey, right? So uh, if, if there's anybody that I think is a great person, I think Dave Ramsey is a good person, but he's not meant for creating prosperity. Like he's good for getting out from under, like from a, being a, a spender, anonymous, you know, if you need Spenders Anonymous, you need a help group support group, right. he's got good stuff for you, right? If you're making like right. 30000 a year and you're trying to live on nothing, Dave Ramsey's awesome. But if you're trying to prosper and thrive, no way. So this guy, he's in his 30s, right? So he, uh, he, he's on a track to pay off all his debt. He was saving as much as he could. He was maxing out his 401k. He'd already saved up about 100000 in his 401k by this point, so great for a 32-year-old, you know? Um, and, uh, and his whole goal was to take beyond his 401k, take extra money he was earning and pay off his mortgage, you know? And so he was planning to be uh, a quote unquote debt free by the time he was 40. Um, and, and then of course you'll have money. He's maxed out his 401k. And so I, I said, Hey, let's project out. Let's, let's look at you in, in eight years. Let's see what you look like at 40 years old. If you keep putting money in your 401k. Now, of course we don't know what the stock market is going to do. Right. But I said, Hey, let's go off of historical returns of earning like 6% a year, you know, because the average of the market's only been about seven and a half. But when you put, invest in the stock market, you don't actually earn that full seven and a half because it comes out in fees. Even your 401k has fees. Even though you don't think you do, you're paying pretty decent fees of at least 1% plus to your 401k. So that comes out before you even see the money. So you're looking to make six, six and a half percent, right? But hey, I threw it in there. I said, hey, with the match, let's see what it looks like with the match and everything. Well, 
after you know the, after the time he was age 40, if the market does its average, not goes into recession like we talked about going on right now, um, you know he would have almost a million dollars in his 401k. I was like, cool. Well, then that means you can maybe live on 30,000 a year. <laughs> well, and he'll paid off his house too, so he would have in, in general about 4,500 a month. That's that he could potentially do. And now, of course, he can't tap in his 401k because he's too young, right? But if he could, he would have like 4,500 a month he can live on. Well, I showed him. I said, listen, instead of doing that, what if we actually, instead of paying off your house early, actually get some of the equity of your house, invest it in a way that actually pays your mortgage payment for you, and we uh, we actually stop contributing your 401k. We can't cash it out, but let's at least you know use money elsewhere and save that money in in, in better places and actually get that money working for you now. So we ran that, that same eight years out. Well, first and foremost, what ended up happening is in this last year, um, his passive income increased by about between 3000 and 4000 a month. So what he was hoping to do in about eight years, he's been able to do within the first year or two. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Um, and then, But the cool thing is by the time we get out to about eight years out, he'll probably have about 10000 or more dollars a month in passive income. By that point so wow. drastic difference um, same thing with the client in California I, I work with a lot of different chiropractors and dentists off you know very often and we're IT managers uh, this guy was a chiropractor in San Diego um, same kind of thing he was trying to pay off his house and pay off investment property in California but instead we said no let's sell that investment property in California because if you have property in the West Coast Western United States it probably stinks <laughs> so I was like sell the property let's get equity out of your house instead of paying off early trying to pay off in six years Let's get the equity out, put it to use, and what we, he was hoping to do is, is just pay off those those mortgages, right? And in his case, he would free up about five thousand a month. But by taking the equity out of those two different properties, selling one and then refinancing the other one, we were actually able to free uh, not just free up money, but we we're actually able to increase his cash flow in the first year by about seventy five thousand dollars in the first year. Whoa. So. Where he's hoping for five thousand a month, sixty thousand a year after six years, by you know plugging along, paying off his debt, we could do that more than that within the first year, and then by five years out, he'll actually have over ten thousand a month of passive income, and uh, which again, just you had to reverse everything you're seeing because most of the things that people teach about money don't work. So just like if you've ever watched Seinfeld, right, opposite George, the time that George actually became a winner and not a loser for one episode was when he chose to do the opposite of what he's always been, he had always been in the habit of doing. And that's true with money too, is that it's often doing the opposite that makes all the difference. Wow. So then, of course, as you mentioned, I mean, money makes the world go round. Uh, you can't survive without it. So why do you think people mm-hmm. are so reluctant to invest in their futures or to try to grow their income past just their paycheck to keep from living paycheck to paycheck? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's just what we're comfortable with, right? I mean, people are – I mean, you talk about thriving and, and striving for more. I mean, most people don't do that because – for a few reasons, I think. I mean, one, it's hard to break what's comfortable, right? We, we're creatures of habit. We tend to the, – the best way to not use brain space is to do the same thing over and over. The problem is if you want different results, that won't work. Uh, second thing is that most people don't know where to turn. I, I can't tell you – how many times every week I hear people say, I didn't realize this was even possible in the first place. And even if they did believe it was possible, right, like they, they'd heard of other people doing it, they still were unsure about how they could actually do it for themselves. 
And so many times people, rather than trying to make a mistake, will just do nothing, which means it's guaranteed failure. But it's better than them you know, gambling and messing it up. And, and I've, I've had people do that. I've had people sometimes, rarely, there's a person that does too much. They, they try to do so much ignorantly, and it backfires on them, right? But most people I encounter usually are scared to do something different. Uh, it's not that they don't want something different. They just don't know how to do it differently. And, and I mean, come on. Trust me, if you went and asked a financial advisor, you, you can do this. If you have a financial advisor, go ask them. Say, hey, what do you think about buying real estate? And do you think you can help me with that? And, hey, should I get my money out of your, your investments you sold me you know, that you get paid commissions off of? Should I pull money out of that? And, uh, and of course, they're going to freak out and say no. Um, also, a good question to ask a financial advisor is, by the way, um, are you financially free, not off the commissions you're earning from my money and everybody else's money, but are you financially free doing these investments yourself? Because have you been able to retire with these IRAs and 401ks? Have it, has it worked for you? And I guarantee the answer is no, because I was in that industry for four years and not once met somebody who could do that, could answer that without lying. So that's the thing. And so people just don't know they can do something different. They can't find somebody who will do it differently that actually has been there, done that, and still doing it today. So encouraging people to do something different in terms of their money, mm-hmm. Where does someone start? It depends on where you are, but start from where you are. <laughs> so whatever your point A is, you know, for example, if somebody says, hey, you know, because here's, here's another reason people might be reluctant to invest for the future. They feel like they can't even make it today. They might feel like they're paycheck to paycheck right now. And that's actually why I, I did an ebook on my website, you know, that I, you can download for free called Beyond Rice and Beans, because that's a big thing that people are like, well, where do I find the money? Well, there's good tips in that kind of book if you want to find it. I mean, that's, that's one place you can start. Um, I also do a podcast. I do the Chris Miles Money Show, and I tell people, learn. Like, learn from people that think different and do it differently. And it doesn't have to just be my show. There's other ones out there. There's plenty of them. I mean, you're, you are one of those shows, right? You're, you're trying to go above and beyond what's the status quo. And that's, and that's what I encourage people to do is, is whatever you're trying to learn, go find those that are doing it and, and learn not just what they're doing, but learn what their, their perspective is. Learn how they think. Because if you understand how they think and what their perspective is, the strategy becomes easy. But for most people, they just try to duplicate the strategy without changing the mindset, and that's where they get stumped. That's where they end up doing it wrong, and they, they end up gambling with their future rather than investing in it. Man, Chris, I know there's so many more tips that you could share with us, but that's our time. I have one last question. And this question has nothing to do with the topic. It, it might a little. It depends on how you respond. <laughs> if you could tell your younger self something, what would you tell a young Chris? I would tell him, you know what, trust your gut. I think too many times we listen to other people's opinions a little too heavily, but we don't listen to ourselves or what's, you know, what that whisper is telling us deep inside. And I'll tell you, the thing that led to the most success in my life and the thing that led to more failures was when I either gave heed to what my gut was saying, what felt right, and when I ignored that feeling. I failed when I ignored the feeling, but I succeeded when I went with it. I mean, I've had business coaches say, Chris, you should do this. My gut says, don't do that. And in fact, do the opposite of what they just said. And then I end up getting more success from it. You know? So I'm not saying you don't listen to people. I'm, you know, take what they have, take it into account. But really, if I would have listened to deep down in my gut, and this goes for marriage and everything, right? Um, if I would listen down deep in my gut, I would have come out with a lot less pain and a lot less what might have been unnecessary lessons. 
Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Please do me a favor. Take the time to let everyone know how they can listen to your podcast or purchase your books or, or download them or get any of your services. Yeah, you can download that ebook I mentioned, that Beyond Rice and Beans book. You can go to moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. And then, of course, if you ever want to listen to podcasts, it's the Chris Miles Money Show. And you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcast app for that matter. But, yeah, check it out. It's, uh, it's got great stuff on there. There's over 400 episodes, so you've got plenty to learn from. <laughs> great. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for more? Absolutely. Uh, the, big, the best words of encouragement I can give you is that, uh, just like that guy said today from Brooklyn, he said, Chris, like what you just told me gave me hope. Like I was hoping there would be an answer. I was hoping there would be a solution. And I'll just tell that to any of you listeners out there, like there is hope for a better life. Like the fact that, you know, I can live day to day just like you could, right? Uh, I can live the day to day being with my family, spending time doing what fires me up. Like, I love teaching, right? Like, that's what fires me up. I can't retire from that completely. And the truth is that you most likely have potential in your situation that you don't even realize could be creating a massive difference in your life. Your life could be drastically different than it is today just by thinking differently and then, therefore, doing differently. So just know that there is always hope. Chris, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance in your future. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you. Listening to Chris Miles' Money Show or the Money Ripples podcast has brought me some wonderful insight on tips and strategies to expand my wealth in ways I never thought of. Creating wealth happens better when you understand how to do it. Having the financial freedom to do what you want is very satisfying and liberating. Be sure to pay any financial tips you know forward to the next generation so they don't make the same mistakes that you have. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at StriveForMoreTX. That's Strive, the number four, more, T and X. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Strive For More Podcast Show. Every day, twice a day, I share wonderful tips or wonderful inspirational quotes to help you live your best life and continue to strive for more. I also market all of my episodes from each of my guests on those platforms as well. Hey, did you know that there's some new Strive for More merch on my website? Be sure to visit www.striveformorepodcast.com to purchase a really cool shirt with a nice saying or even a mug or a poster. Your support helps me continue to deliver wonderful guests who are striving for more on my podcast. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode. 